drugs, science, and everything else. They slap down a new topic and dash off to the next. It's a great big world with so much to know, like cryptids, time travel, and the history of Poe. If you wanna be a smarty, better learn something fast with Shannon and Jason on Slapdash Podcast. On today's episode, we are discussing important women throughout history. Across the table is a man who lives with three women, Jason Creekmore. <laughs> How are you, man? Uh, I'm doing well, but I think you I think you have one up on me there, right? I do. I think you live with four women. I sure do. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's a neat feeling. I, I love the three women that I live with. We just keep adding to the ranks. Yeah. Yeah. Is that uh, okay? Absolutely. That? Shout out to my wife, Mindy. She's a woman. Yeah. Shout out to my two daughters. <laughs> uh, my mother was a woman. Wow. <laughs> so this yeah. is this is in honor of all them. So it's Women's History Month. Are, were, were you aware of that? I was, but I was not until we prepared for this episode. That's pretty cool. So I, I did not know that necessarily there was a Women's History Month necessarily, but I do now. Yeah. And Mar- it is March. It March. Yeah, that's right. And, you know, March is known for more than leprechauns and, you know, all things all, green. All things green, like, like Kermit the Frog. <laughs> like the last last episode. <laughs> yeah. You know, check that one out if you haven't. But, yeah, so we're going to talk about a few very important women throughout history. And before we do that, let's begin with just kind of a brief background on what Women's History Month actually is. So Women's History Month had its origins as a national celebration in 1981 when Congress authorized and requested the president to proclaim the week beginning March 7th, 1982 as Women's History Week. So it started out as just a week. Jason, it's grown from there. It has, you know, we may have Women's History Year, right? Yeah, at some point, if we if we keep going, throughout the next five years, Congress continued to pass resolutions designating a week in March as Women's History Week. But in 1987, after being petitioned by the National Women's History Project, Congress designated the month of March 1987 as Women's History Month. And all these years later, so here we here are, we are still celebrating. So between 1988 and 1994, Congress passed resolutions requesting and authorizing the president to proclaim March of each year as Women's History Month. And since 1995, presidents have issued annual proclamations designating the month of March as Women's History Month. And I think this is really interesting. Uh, You know, we have a lot of these longstanding traditions that are sort of designated year by year by the president. Now, Now, this is a standing thing, you know, Women's History Month. It happens every year, but it's renewed essentially right. by the president sort each of, time uh, acknowledged or recognized on a yearly basis exactly yeah. so these proclamations that are set forth by the president celebrate the specific achievements women have made over the course of american history in a variety of fields but i think we're going to talk about women in the broader context of course we have uh women here who are from america but we also have some from outside some the that would represent uh i guess world history sure yeah So, Jason, let's begin with one I remember from my youth. This is one that we studied extensively in grade school. I even read a book on this lady. Have you ever heard of Amelia Earhart? Oh, yeah. Good old Amelia Earhart. Everyone has read the little 50-page like you know, a half text, half colored picture type book. Oh, when exactly I was in elementary, you know, when you're in elementary school, oh yeah. yeah, she was in one of those unsolved mystery books. That's yes. what I best remember yeah. her from. Uh, she lived from 1897 until supposedly 1937. Mm, asterisk there, yeah, kind of a you know an interesting note. We'll come back to that. But Earhart took up aviation flying in 1921 when she was 24 years old and went on to break the women's altitude record the following year 
when she rose to 14,000 feet. Have you ever been to 14,000 feet, Jason? I have not. I have been in a helicopter, however far a helicopter goes. <laughs> I've not been in a jet and don't really plan on anytime soon. So I don't think I've been to 14,000 feet. I've been in a few. It's uh, it's interesting. I've never been in a helicopter. And, and to be honest, the helicopter kind of scares me more than a plane. Yeah. Was that kind of a in- interesting You know, the helicopter experience? really didn't scare me uh, really bad. It was like maybe like a 15 or 20 minute ride. Mm-hmm. It's a little bumpy, but for, I don't know. It's just like, I guess you're not so far off the ground. I mean, obviously if you Rick, you're probably going to die <laughs> because you're, you're, you're <laughs> way high. Let's just point out the obvious. <laughs> but for some reason, I think as long as you are below the clouds, mm-hmm. somehow you feel safer. A little bit safer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, somehow. So you, were, you weren't on a combat mission. <laughs> no, I was not. You were, you no, were on a ride. I was in Pigeon Forge. <laughs> Oh, gotcha. <laughs> so uh, back to Amelia Earhart. In 1932, she became the first woman to fly solo across the Atlantic and over the next five years continued to break speed and flying records. In June 1937, she began a flight around the world, and this is what she's most known for, becoming the first person to fly from the Red Sea to India. But Jason, she was reported missing on July 2nd near Howland Island in the Pacific. Earhart's disappearance is one of history's unsolved mysteries, and she was declared dead in abstentia in 1939. Mm. So two years after she disappeared, they said, well, we've, we've not heard from her in a while. She must not be coming back. Right. There are a few interesting parts of her life that build up to her, her flying career. Did you know, Jason, that Amelia Earhart built a roller coaster? No, I did not know that. Yeah, it's it's not Pigeon Forge. Yeah, she, <laughs> she kind of built it in her backyard. Wow. Yeah, she she zoomed off a wooden ramp she built with her dad. It crashed completely. She was bruised, you know, skin up, and uh, but she got up and she was happy about it. And she just exclaimed to her sister, "Oh, Pidge!" That was her sister's right. nickname. I think her real name was Grace. She said, "Oh, Pidge, it's just like flying." So I don't know who was there to document that hmm. and say, hmm, let, let us write this down for the archives of history. <laughs> because years from now, <laughs> years from now, gonna she's going to yeah. fly. Amelia's childhood nickname was Mealy. And as a child, Mealy liked to climb trees, hunt rats, and collect insects. <laughs> she liked to... She liked- <laughs> Let's just throw that in there. If everything you've just said about Amelia Earhart, I didn't. Yeah. When you said hunt rats, <laughs> that got my attention. I always get curious, you know, who does write this uh, down? Who wants to hunt a who, rat? Who chronicles this? Because right. we had to have come up with that fact at some right. point. At some point in her life, she went on right. rat hunt, and somebody I mean, I, documented that. I mean, I just picture. I don't know. It's just kind of a funny scene. I mean, you know, people kill rats, but to me, there's a difference in like killing them and hunting them. <laughs> I don't know. But hey, if it makes her happy. Reminds me of Elmer Fudd kind of sneaking through the forest. (laughs) Be very, very quiet. (laughs) It's wabbit season. (laughs) Wet season. (laughs) So, Jason, that's Amelia Earhart. Who's up next on our list? I have Katherine Johnson. Have you ever heard of Katherine Johnson? I have. All right. Katherine was born on August 26, 1918 in Sulphur Springs, West Virginia. And, of course, she is famous for being a uh, mathematician who worked for NASA. She was gifted in math from a very early age. And, in fact, she graduated from college at West Virginia State at the age of 18. From college, Graduated from college at 18. And uh, her senior year, one of the uh, math professors had to design a course especially for her because they had nothing left to offer her that she had not already literally just accomplished and just aced all the way through. So they had to create a new course for her. And this course uh, was in regard to the geometry of space. 
aha and And that that started her interest that kind of that kind of prompted her to look at uh space type things there yeah and jason we're professors people don't design courses for students especially anymore right that's very uncommon i've never heard of that no i mean you know you might take what's it called when you you have like you're working with one like like an independent study yeah but really that's already a pre-existing course sort of uh to like just create a course where it's just for you that's really unheard of Mm -hmm. but that was the case for her uh, she was one of the first African-American students to enter the grad school at the University of West Virginia, uh, and she played an important role in helping John Glenn reach orbit in 1962. Now, this is at the very early stages of uh, computers, obviously, so a lot of the uh, math was being uh, completed by both computer and by multiple, multiple people uh, by hand. Yeah. And they were just double-checking and triple-checking and, and those types of things. And so John Glenn had a uh, famous quote uh, regarding Katherine Johnson uh, about whether or not he felt comfortable and you know, whether he was ready not to be launched into orbit for the first time to try. Yeah. And he says, quote, if she says they're good, then I'm ready to go. And oh, that's man. according to the math behind... That's high praise. Yeah. Uh, she also helped uh, in the moon landing a few years later. And in 2015, Katherine Johnson received the Presidential Medal of Freedom from President Barack Obama. Oh, that's great. I, I love that story. And there's a great picture of Katherine Johnson. If you Google her, you can find a, a lot of the handwritten computer code that she wrote for the, the moon yeah. mission. And it's it's uh, stacked as tall as she is, if not taller. It's in all these binders. And yeah, things. it's it's, and, it's wild. And, and I think even some of that was handwritten at the time, which yeah. is amazing. Which, I mean, to, to think about something, some event of that magnitude, you know, that you're launching something and yeah. someone into space, and we're basing that... Mm-hmm. Uh, On the calculations of an individual. Right, that's sitting in a room somewhere. That's that, that's remarkable. She was the uh, figure, at least one of the figures of the movie uh, Hidden Figures okay. in, in 2016, yeah. that her life and, and other folks uh, in that department were based on. And she fairly recently actually just passed away at the ripe old age of 101. 101. 101. So that was Katherine Johnson, famous, famous employee for NASA and mathematician whiz. I love it. Awesome. What do you have next? Up next, we have Rosa Parks, who lived between 1913 and 2005. We all know that Rosa Parks was best known for not giving her seat up on a bus. Absolutely. This was in 1955. She was uh, an African-American living in Montgomery, Alabama. She challenged the race segregation that existed in parts of the U.S. by refusing to give up her seat on a bus so that a white person could sit down. Her protest was supported by many other African-Americans and sparked the civil rights movement, which in the 1960s eventually won equal rights. Four years after her death in 2005, Barack Obama became the first African-American U.S. president. So you can see the lineage there and how important this individual decision was. Now, one thing I didn't know about this particular incident is that this same bus driver who uh, actually called the police on Rosa for not getting up and and giving her seat up— She'd had a run-in with him before. This Hmm. wasn't the first time. It it was years prior, and uh, I I think it was actually 10 years before that famous incident that that we all know. She she boarded James Blake's bus, uh, the name of the individual, and after she paid her fare, Blake told Parks to exit the bus and re-enter through the back door, which was part of the the policies and procedures at that time. But when she did so, she actually paid paid her paid her ticket paid her fare she got off the bus and while she was standing outside to walk around back blake drove away oh so took her money and then just left her? took her money just left her on the side of the road and and for years 
she avoided this man's bus and she wouldn't get back on it. And it was only by hmm. accident one day, the fateful day in 1955, that she boarded Blake's bus again, refused to give up her seat, and thereafter the the rest is history, which is uh, well, really I interesting. Not, <clears throat> I did not realize that. Yeah, so kind of a you know, cyclical story there. At some point, just you know, uh, enough is enough. Yeah, that's all you can do. Hmm. Who's up next? Shannon, next we have Susan B. Anthony. I am a fan of her coins. <laughs> do yeah. you have any Susan B. Anthony coins? <laughs> I have, yeah. That's giving past. a little bit of information here. Uh, but Susan B. Anthony was born February 15th, 1820 in Adams, Massachusetts, and passed away March 13th, 1906 in Rochester, New York. And, of course, she is famous for supporting women's rights, especially the right to vote. In 1872, she was arrested for illegally voting in a presidential Mm -hmm. election, was actually imprisoned in the local jail there, and was fined $100. Now, again, this is in 1872. That's a lot of money. So that's probably quite a bit. I don't know. I don't have the exchange or the actual equivalency in front of me, but that's quite a bit of money. Inflation's a thing. That's exactly right. So, you know, fined $100 and put in jail for illegally voting in a presidential election. She just went up, I guess, and they didn't, they couldn't stop her from voting. I don't know what that looks like back then, <laughs> yeah. but she voted. They, they couldn't stop her. I guess they just couldn't. That's, that's, we can't stop the power of the that's vote. That's a strange image. I mean, I can imagine how that played out historically, like, but. Yeah, like them saying, well, no, you can't. Obviously, you're you're a woman. You can't vote. Mm-hmm. And she's like, yeah, I'm voting today. Here's my sheet of paper. And yeah. and I get, it just kind of, the dominoes went from there. You just see the guy looking at his boss. She handed me the paper. <laughs> she looks serious. <laughs> the, I don't know. Things are in motion. <laughs> In in 1900, Anthony persuaded the University of Rochester to admit women for the first time. She raised $50,000 in order to help bring that about. And part of that money, she cashed in her own life insurance policy to help raise the money to have local women uh, be accepted into Rochester University. And years later, they actually paid that money back to her. Oh, how nice. Yeah. That's cool. Uh, she was the first woman to appear on a U.S. coin. And, of course, that occurred in, uh, in 1978. In 1906, Susan B. Anthony was asked if women would ever be given the right to vote. This was shortly before she passed away. And this is what she said. It will come, but I shall not see it. It is inevitable. We can no more deny forever the right of self-government to one half of our people, but come it will, and I believe within a generation. Wow. So she said that in 1906, and then, of course, the 19th Amendment, giving women the right to vote, uh, was approved in 1920. Wow. That's incredible. So about 14 years later, uh, that was true. That that came to be. She kind of prophesied it there a little bit. So two things about that. Number one, she and I share a birthday on February 15th. There you go. Kind of cool. Definitely not back in, what was it, 19... was uh, her birthday or 1820 was a birthday. Yeah. 1820. Quite a while. Yeah, you don't look a day like no, you would yeah. pass at least 1850. At right? least. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I'm going for. So that's a cool thing. The other thing that's interesting is uh, I saw a, a comedy skit here uh, at some point in the past, and there was someone going around. They were they were interviewing passersby, you okay. know, just, just sort of asking them questions. I like these things. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, you never know what you're going to get asked. Right. So they, they just go up to random strangers, and I'm sure they're just showing the best of the best, you know. But – a significant portion of the people answered uh, a certain question in this way, okay? So the question was, do you think that women's suffrage should continue? 
Okay. Okay. <laughs> now, now okay, this I got is a you. modern audience. Okay. <laughs> this is so, like this is like yesterday. Or, this is like right? yesterday. So imagine you're on the street and some stranger with a microphone and a camera comes up and says, <clears throat> "Jason Creekmore, do you believe that women's suffrage should continue?" <laughs> I will tell you, Jason, that a majority of those people, at least eighty plus percent, said no. But you can guess why. Because they're suffering. They're suffering, right? <laughs> yeah, they, they didn't know, obviously, that they're talking about women's right to vote, women's suffrage. And they right. thought, you know, of course we should end the, the suffraging of women. <laughs> the suffraging. Yeah. So I, I just thought that was pay, kind of funny. Uh, pay attention in history and civics class a little bit, right? <laughs> yeah. That's just a terminology thing. Sure. And, and they made a, a point, I could tell, to ask this question to women. <laughs> oh yeah, the and they're like absolutely not. <laughs> they're like we're opposed. No, 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 staunch, staunchly against, <laughs> sir. <laughs> you know, I actually have a, a friend who who's, who's my age, and so he has like a great aunt, I guess, who's probably in their in her mid seventies, I'd say roughly right now, and uh, she's a, a hardworking uh, woman. I remember her when I was little. You know, she's just a really good person. Uh, but he told me something just sort of in passing one day that really shocked me. He said that she was the first woman that she was the first single woman to ever receive uh, a a bank loan in our county single woman receiving a bank loan in yes your that, huh. that before that and i think this may have been like in the i mean like it's not as long as you would think like maybe back like in the late 60s or early 70s mm-hmm. that, a, that a single woman had never been given a loan from a bank in our account, county, the county I live in, and she was the first one to receive that. Wow! So I, I don't know. I just that just kind of popped in my mind right then. I just thought that was fascinating. That that's not a hundred years ago. No, not at you all. Know? So that's that's kind of neat. But I tell you what else is really neat though. What's that? Is we have some products. Do we? we have coffee mugs? Oh, we have all kinds of good stuff. We do. Let's take a break and learn a little bit more about that. Hey everyone, we're happy to announce that the podcast now has a merchandise store. Shannon, everyone loves hoodies and everyone loves coffee. Yeah, and you can pick up a nice slapdash hoodie or a slapdash mug and drink your next cup of joe right out of a slapdash cup. (laughs) We also have t-shirts and stickers. Yeah, we do. So come on by and log on to www.slapdashpod.com forward slash store. That's www.slapdashpod.com forward slash store store welcome back today we are discussing the important women of history in honor of women's history month we've talked about a few already but up next on the list is a lady who just goes by her first name cleopatra jason you ever heard of cleopatra oh yeah Yeah, i was doing a song about her i think i think so yeah (laughs) Cleopatra lived between 69 BC and 30 BC, and that that always throws me off. Yeah, because it's it's counting down. Right, BC it's splitting times. <laughs> it's right, splitting times. So you know we're looking at about 39 years old. Right, here. that's kind of what we saw. Uh, but Cleopatra was the final ruler of Egypt's Ptolemaic dynasty. Good job. Did I say that? I right? think so. Yeah. Man, it's it's hard to get all those letters. There's <laughs> right. so many consonants in there. I, I, I'm bound to mess it up in a minute, so <laughs> don't don't be too happy yet. She was a formidable, politically shrewd monarch. She was directly involved in the running of a kingdom that faced challenges on many fronts, and we'll hear about those. But at different times, Cleopatra's reign was threatened by each of her brothers, whom she was also married to at different times. So hmm. just just throw that out yeah, there, yeah. you know, no no big deal. I think her uh, mother and father also were brother and sister, and she comes from a long line of cousins from <laughs> from what the literature tells me. Okay, so just just putting it all on the table, right? There. 
well, now that that's out of the way, <laughs> yeah, we can move forward. So, so let's let's continue. Uh, in 48 BC, when Julius Caesar arrived in the city of Alexandria, Cleopatra wanted to meet him. You know, you, natural sure. thing, right? Right. The great general yeah. Julius Caesar. Right. Game recognizes game, as they say. That is correct. <laughs> okay. That's right. At the time, Cleopatra was having a feud with one of her brothers, Ptolemy the Thirteenth, who was also her husband. Okay. Her husband, brother. <laughs> her <laughs> husband, brother. <laughs> and, and she thought her brother's forces might try to stop her from meeting with Caesar. She, okay. she thought that would be met with, with some kind of force. So she's a very clever woman. Uh, she wrapped herself in a carpet, or some sources say it was a linen sack, and had it smuggled into Caesar's personal quarters. Right, I have so, heard of this. Kind of smart. Caesar absolutely loved it. He, you know, he knew he saw that Cleopatra had a flair for the dramatic. You know, I could just imagine him rolling her out there, and here she, she is. Right. Ta-da! <laughs> yeah, uh, and he and Cleopatra became allies from that point on, and and maybe a bit more. Ptolemy the Thirteenth was defeated uh, and drowned in the Nile River. So once Cleopatra teamed up with Caesar, they they took out old I mean, brother. Flair for the dramatic there. <laughs> <laughs> we'll show you, buddy. <laughs> Cleopatra remarried her younger brother, Ptolemy the Fourteenth, but she is believed to have had him killed as well to make her son co-ruler. So okay. it just, just goes on. Uh, in 41 BC, Cleopatra also had her sister, Arsinoe, killed because she was considered a rival to the throne. Sounds like, like a... Uh Egyptian like Game of Thrones. That's exactly yeah. what it is. It was kind of a shifting of, of chairs or, or people trying right. to shift chairs and Cleopatra rooting herself in place. But she was a powerful monarch, the the last of her dynasty. And man, she was um, she was dramatic for sure. We'll very, give her that. very important lady of history. So Jason, who's up next? I have someone that's a little bit different. <laughs> have you ever heard of Marie Curie? I have. Marie was born November 7th, 1867 in Poland and passed away on July 4th, 1934. She was a Polish uh, and naturalized French physicist and chemist who is known for research in radioactivity. She discovered radium in 1898 by literally handling and playing with uranium slag. Slag. So, so what is slag? Slag. I am not quite sure, Shannon, what slag is. <laughs> but, she, but she but she knew that there was something there and it was in uranium and that the, she had to basically just keep experimenting with ura- uh, uranium. And eventually she discovered this element. Wow. Okay. That doesn't sound like it's good for her health, but go on. We're going to get to that here in a little while. So she literally handled radioactive materials for years. In fact, she used a piece of glowing uranium as a nightlight by her bed. Oh no! So, so she's doing this for years, and a lot of a lot of good comes out of this. I mean, a lot of good. I mean, just you know, general science information, uh, X-rays, the beginning of those types of things. Yeah. So a lot of good comes from this, but not a lot of good comes to Marie from this. Bless her heart. So she she works her entire career in this important scientific uh, study and research in a shed. So when we think of Marie Curie and all, with all these these chemicals and uranium, it's literally like in a shed, like a garage. She never had like a university laboratory. She worked at a laboratory, but she was never really allowed to work on that particular study there. And she just kind of did this at home. 
So she just kept things out in her shed that were radioactive. Yes. And before she really knew, I mean, she knew things were there and she knew something was going on, but she didn't really understand what radioactivity could do to a human body huh. like long term. And so she just continuously uh, did that over and over. But uh, her intellect was was celebrated. Everybody thought she was just uh, just extraordinary. And I have a famous quote here uh, concerning Marie. It says, I am impelled to tell you how much I have come to admire your intellect your drive and your honesty. That was written by Albert Einstein. Oh, okay. Albert Einstein. All right. So uh, Marie Curie was the first female to win a Nobel Prize and the first person ever, male or female, to win multiple Nobel Prizes. Later in life, she began to become ill, and it was reported that she uh, had that she developed quote unsteady hands. Mm. Marie died of leukemia in 1934, and even to this day, uh, the notes, notebooks, materials, decades later, I mean, almost nearing 100 years later, are still so radioactive that they are put in a lead box. That is amazing. So That's fascinating. Even today, a lot of her, a lot of her journals and those types of things are still in a lead-lined box. That they are still decades later, they're still showing that much radioactivity enough to poison a human body. Wow! And so she literally was just walking by and touching it on a daily basis for years. I can't imagine so, that. But if it wasn't for Marie Curie, I'm sure modern science and modern medicine would not be where it is today. That's one of those experiments you couldn't carry out knowingly today, but the fact that it happened, it's just amazing. Just sort of right, yeah. post hoc analysis, like after the fact. Yeah. It's incredible that she had a nightlight made of radioactive material. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, you know, you're asking, well, how do we know this? Well, it's because of Marie Curie, but she had no idea it was going to kill her. Yeah. You know, but if, but if all this had not developed, we probably would have been, who knows, years or decades behind the curve on understanding all this, you know, so. That is an amazing story. Up next, we have Sacagawea. All right. This one? I do. Yeah. Sacagawea lived between 1988 and 1812. You know, as a female Native American, her story, it has been shared through oral traditions. It's been written down in, in various history accounts, but her role is a vital member of Lewis and Clark's Corpse of Discovery, uh, helping them forge relationships with Native Americans all while carrying her newborn baby on her back, ensured that she would be remembered for the rest of history. I read one account that said her baby was only like 55 days old when she she started some of this adventure. Yeah. Sacagawea traveled thousands of miles with the Lewis and Clark expedition of 1804 from the Mandan Hidatsa villages in the Dakotas to the Pacific Northwest. She was acting as an interpreter and just generally helping when the group encountered other tribes. It really helped to have her on their side. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Some, she's sort of the, the go-between kind of, right? That's right. Yeah, yeah. She's, she's the liaison, right. as it were. That's a good word. Yeah. Uh, Sacagawea's name in the Shoshone language means bird woman. And I couldn't find any context for hmm. why exactly right. that would have been. But, yeah, Sacagawea, bird woman. It, it's also spelled a bunch of different ways. And one one account said that even though it has the, the hard G in there, like Sacagawea, mm-hmm. uh, you know, we customarily 
primarily pronounced that with a J, but there, there are several different ways that it could have been pronounced throughout history. Sacagawea, Sacagawea, other things, <laughs> but it does mean bird woman. And you know, where a lot of people know the Sacagawea name from is in 2000, the U.S. Mint issued a golden Sacagawea dollar coin. Do you remember this? Oh yeah, I had like maybe several of those, maybe Didn't five, have, five have or those? six of them maybe, yeah. I remember this was when commercials on TV and, and ordering through the mail were still like a big thing. Right, yeah. And, and they were really pushing this idea that they were putting those gold coins out there. And it's like, you know, get your set of limited edition Sacagawea dollar coins, <laughs> you know, for, for three easy payments of more than the coins worth <laughs> numerically. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so, so that definitely happened. And when I worked at the grocery store as a teenager, I remember accepting some of these. People would spin these. And I know they yeah. were like collector's items, but it always just kind of caught me off guard. It, it would baffle me. Yeah, yeah, when I would see someone pay for something with those. I remember thinking, mm-hmm. why would you pay? For, I mean, just, you know. Why would you spend that? Unless, yeah. Unless you had to. Right, yeah. You know, I understand the region we live in. Maybe people just, just had those, but it, it was routine. There was one gentleman who, who came in, um, you know, at least maybe every couple months or so, and he would just have like four or five of these. And hmm. he would come in and just as, as a general, uh, you know, routine of, of going through the grocery store get all of his groceries and i'd say okay you know the total's 24.96 and he'd be like okay and he'd reach into his pocket and he, he'd pull out like five sacagawea dollars and he, he's like here's five and then he would get the the bills and give you the rest <laughs> and this funny. would happen like every couple months so i don't know wow you know maybe this guy was like a time traveler <laughs> or something <laughs> i don't know but i can't I, explain that i wish i day. had those who, who just has them laying around you know but my theory is that he was a collector and maybe had a bunch of these and realized right. oh they're not going up in value might as well spend them right i don't know but hmm. kind, kind of cool uh, another thing people would buy these off of us sometimes so they would get into the register you know at the the grocery store and you would be ringing somebody else up and you pop the change drawer open get ready to give them their change and they'd say "Ooh, is that a sacagawea coin <laughs> look at what you have there <laughs> i would say it sure is and it, it can be yours you know for for one dollar to replace it and five to meet no <laughs> <laughs> no, we just trade them out. You know, they give right, us a, yeah. a dollar bill and we give them a Sacagawea And they were fired up, right? They go out back and, and hand it back to the man who would come in two months later. And he'd say, according to plan. <laughs> I don't great. know where he's going with this, but he has them all. That's right. So, Jason, who is our last woman of history here? Shannon, we have Mother Teresa. Oh, yeah. That's a good one. That's a very good one. She was born August 26, 1910 in Macedonia and passed away September 5th, 1997 in India. She left at the age of 18, left her home at the age of 18 to join the Sisters of Laredo in Ireland. Okay, so now she died at the age of 87, right? She left at 18. From 18 into 87, she never saw her family again. Wow. So she left at 18 years of age to go to Ireland and never saw her family again until she passed away uh, at 87. Did she see them at that time or she just never no, saw them again? never saw them again. So 18 left on, and I'm, that was it. I'm, I'm going to be a nun and I'm going to help people uh, of the world till God calls me home. And that's what she did. Yeah. Uh, Mother Teresa is famous for being an unbelievably nice person and obviously uh, a humanitarian. Right. She received the Nobel Peace Prize in 1979. 
In earlier decades, she established hospitals and centers for the blind and disabled in various parts of the world, and she was actually canonized on September 4th, 2016 as St. Teresa of Calcutta. So she was canonized by the Catholic Church as an honest-to-goodness saint in 2016. And I, have some, yeah, and I have some famous quotes here that she said uh, during her lifetime. The first one is, peace begins with a smile. She also said, uh, if, you, if you judge people, you have no time to love them. Mm. And then she finally says, spread love everywhere you go. Let no one ever come to you without leaving happier. I love that. That's that's that's, she was such that's a pretty profound, yeah, person in that regard. Yeah. So that sure. was Saint Mother Teresa. I mean, when you look at who was a good person in this world, who you mm-hmm. know, who had good intentions, who had a good heart, yeah. Mother Teresa is probably going to be on the top of everyone's list, sort of universally, you know. And I always associate uh, her death. I don't know the exact uh, date of the of the uh, Princess Diana. Yeah, I know they passed away. Seems like kind of close. Mm-hmm. It's, it it seems like, but I could be wrong about this, and and correct me if I am. But to to become canonized as a saint. Uh, don't you somehow, or not you specifically, but after you pass, doesn't the church somehow have to prove that you've conducted like miracles or something like that? There's I'm, like, I'm there's not like, quite sure. There's there's some kind of like a rubric almost <laughs> that you have to write that you have yeah. to. Yeah. It's, it's just not something that's granted easily. I guess right. is the point. And it's something that yeah, you you really have to be a standout person of the faith, right? In order for it for it to be bestowed upon you, I guess it would say. So, Jason, this rounds out our list we've we've talked about a a few important women here are there i'm sure there are many that we've left out but is there anything else we should talk about or anyone that comes to mind especially i think this is a solid list obviously there there are folks that we could have also included i mean i think we we covered eight here we could probably easily do 18 honestly but you know for the sake of a you know about a roughly 30 to 45 minute podcast uh we chose to uh, leave it to eight i think i think we've done a pretty good job like all these folks have obviously contributed in some way to society right i mean in in their own special way so I i feel good about the list that we have I do too. And just a general shout out here to all the, the women in our lives. You know, my wife, Alexandria, my three daughters, your your wife and daughters, and yep. all of our family. You know, absolutely awesome, awesome stuff. Thanks to all of our listeners who are following the podcast. Please subscribe, share us with a friend, and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram with the handle at SlapdashPod. And we'll catch you in the next episode. Take care, everyone.